So I'm going to bring Hannah and Jared up. They haven't had a chance yet to speak about uh, their trip to Ireland. They're going to give you a quick rundown of it and uh, just kind of tell you what God did in their life while they're there. So come on, guys. Poor Hannah had prom last night, and she's worried how she looks. So don't don't look at her too hard. <laughs> All right, so I guess we'll just start out by um, so by just summarizing everything that we did ministry wise over there. Um, the first thing that we did was that we went door to door to these different neighborhoods, and um, basically what we did was um, we. Um, we hand out flyers talk about Discovery Church and give them information about Discovery Church and um, and along with that we're giving away um, sunflower seeds to go with it because um, most likely they probably won't take the flyers unless they get a free gift to go with it. Uh, and um, and anyways, um, for some some of the people. Most people that um, we went up to, either um, they didn't open their doors or um, once we said that we were from Discovery Church, which is church we were working with, um, they would shut the door door on us because um, most people there are Catholic and um, they're kind of close off to different beliefs, but... um, but it just made the doors that they opened to us a lot more powerful and a lot more like, um, you know, you just feel a lot more grateful for that. You just feel a lot more grateful for the doors that do decide to open up for you. And then, and then late, later on, um, we decided to, um, we went over to, um, pick up trash over by these, um, parks over beside the roads. And, um, and actually the day after we also picked up trash on the, on the beaches over there. And, um, even simple stuff like that really touched people because, um, they, they don't always see people do, doing that and they can see the power of God's love just by doing simple stuff, just by take, taking care of or of their land, and it's really crazy how simple stuff can work out like that. And um, and then then we um, invited, and then we went over downtown Ireland, downtown Galway, where um, where we um, invited teens over to youth night, um, and. Later on, we went over to Discovery Church to help out with youth night, and basically what we did there was um, we we um, met with some of the kids that went there. Um, we played a little icebreaker game with them, and um, actually some of the some of the um, teens there did like a live video thing, which was pretty powerful to the song um, "My Everything." And that, that really touched people. And, um, and then after that, um, we went into this, um, altar call where, 
our whole team that went over to Ireland, stood in front of the room, man, invited people to come up, and we would just pray for them. That, that was really powerful because um, they, they don't really do articles that often. They don't really experience that kind of stuff and see all those teams to come up there it, and to just um, open up to us like that. Again, you can see God working in them. And um, then, then, we, um, then we broke up into small groups and... Um, and uh, it was just, and from there it was just a chance to open to open up to these teens a little bit more, to tell them about our story, to help, to um, just um, again open up to them, and um, we we both were actually able to to um, talk to the kids and to. Just uh, to just really have good fit on their lives. Do you, you want to talk anything about that real quick? There you go. Hi. <laughs> um, I say so. Like he was saying with the altar call, I thought that was really awesome because um, they don't. Sorry, <laughs> uh, they don't do altar calls in Ireland, so it's like really weird to them. And Rodney was like, "Okay, we're gonna do this." And um, everybody's like, we're just standing out there, and everybody's like, kind of looking at us like we're crazy. And um, the youth leader over there, Jill, it took her stepping out and being like, okay, guys, like, if you want prayer. Um, and it just took one person stepping out for the rest to follow. And that really, like, spoke to me because, like, even though, like, whenever we were going to all the houses, having all of the doors slammed in our faces and everything, um, it just, like, it just took us a few people going out and doing that and planting those seeds and who know what will become of that. But yeah, um, the youth night was probably my favorite because I met some pretty awesome people. <laughs> um, there's this girl named Edel, which is like Adele, and she made it very clear that it's not Adele, it's Edel. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I was in a small group with her and everything, so... We got to share some stories with each other and everything. And once we were out of those, her mom just comes up to me and hugs me. I was like, oh, okay, what is this? She's hugging me. Um, And she's just like, I just want to say I'm so grateful for you. I was like, oh, okay, I don't know what I did, but thanks. (laughs) And um, she's like, I just want you to know that, Edel, before we even came here, she was like, God told me I'm going to make a friend tonight. And as soon as we walked in, I saw you, and I'm like, that's the person she's going to be friends with. And, like, she said she just saw, like, love radiant on me. I was like, oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, so she was like, she was just like, I knew it was going to be you, and then sure enough it was. And now I have some pretty good pals back in Ireland, and we still talk here and there, um, check, just checking up on each other. So that was really cool. And the next night we had, because the... Um, Youth night went so well, we were like, well, why don't we get everybody back together again? So Saturday night, we had a game night, and everybody just came together, and we were able to be, like, a little bit more loose and just, like, chill with each other and everything and get to grow those friendships better. Um, 
But they came back again because I was like, you guys should come back, please. And they weren't going to. But since I asked them like 10 times, they did. <laughs> um, so after playing a few games, because we are not, we're not very social people, um, we decided that we were going to go sit out in the hallway and have my ukulele with me. So it was a good time for us. We just like kind of sat around and um, did a few worship songs and like just swapped our testimonies like back and forth and everything and it was a really good time so yeah and um and from there most most of what we did ministry wise um we went down to downtown Galway once again and um we did a lot of we did a lot of street ministry down there um, we did a whole bunch of crazy stuff. We, um, we did balloon animals. Um, we did the stances strike to draw in a crowd. Um, and, and I actually did some face painting down there. And, and, um, and like all, all this really, um, pushed me to be, be a lot more on Open to people like um, just talking to these teens. Um, try, try to um, just try to talk to people when we were doing this street ministry, and um, whenever whenever we um, were just um, um, going door to door to people, this really pushed me out because um, I really keep to myself. If I'm being honest, I'm. And um, and this has re- really showed me that God wants me to be a little bit more open about my beliefs and just be open more more about my story and to just um, be more open about what God's done for me. And I I was at, I actually got a chance to do that twice. Um, one, once um, once whenever we had that youth night because. Um, because um, they they wanted to have one member, one team member at um, each of the small groups, and um, I actually sat on, I actually sat with two because the first one that that I sat with, I was a little bit shy, and um, it was kind of a short group because nobody wanted to talk. But um, I I definitely had a chance to um, open up. And um, I I didn't because, um, like I said, I'm not really used to doing that. I'm not really used to opening up people like that about my story. And um, but then, but then when I backed away from, I'm like, okay, God, give me one more chance. I can I can do this. Just give me the opportunity. And I found another group that um, didn't have any of our members with it. It it was actually the group that the youth leader Jill was with and um she point she pointed it right right at me asking me a question about my story. I'm like, okay, this might be a little hint. This might this might be my chance. So so I got so that was the first chance I got to on my story and just um just first chance that God gave me to really open up to these teens and the uh, same chance 
that I had was that um, actually when we were about to leave to go home, um, we, we, were in, in, we were in this airport and that, our plane got delayed a couple of times. So we didn't get home until it was really late, but we were just, but, uh, just a group of, um, just a group of our team members just, um, sat around in this circle and we just went around telling each other about our stories and just sharing our testimonies with each other and, um, it has, and, that was just really powerful then just um end this whole trip and yeah it's I'm glad that God blessed me with this opportunity. Thank you guys. Jared's the shy one. Just so you know, he's he's the shy one that doesn't have much to say, just so you know. It uh I uh I do appreciate it. If you have any questions, uh, God worked powerfully on both of them. Ask them. They have a lot. They they both say they're shy, but they'll both talk to you forever about it. So uh, let's bring Pastor Chad up. Praise the Lord. I um, can't tell you how proud I am of both of them for, um, for doing that. Um, I wrote an article several years ago for a uh, newsletter. It was about the difference between a mission trip and a vacation. You know, some people can um, assume that they're similar, but if you think about it, there couldn't be two more opposite, um, um, more opposite things. Can you imagine that uh, I'm raising money and I'm paying out of my own pocket so I can work for other people? <laughs> so I can do nothing but work for a whole week and serve everybody um, in another country and and, and you say, well, why is it so impactful and why do you want everybody to do a mission trip? Because if you can take that mentality into life, you know, you're going and you're giving everything you have to feed the poor. You're giving everything you have to minister to people. You're giving everything you have uh, and, and all your ta- time and talents. It's unfiltered. It's like, what would my life be like? In fact, I think it was D.L. Moody that said at the beginning of his ministry, what would a man be like? if he were totally committed to serving the Lord. You know, what would his life actually be like? And he said, I intend to do that. And um, a a mission trip will give you that for a week. You're like going door to door and putting aside all pride and everything and just saying, hey, I want to minister to people door to door. I want to give my testimony. And, And it just does something to you. I can't even explain it. A whole week of that makes you begin to believe that, man, I can do this in my regular life. You know, I can, and, and, and I know you always have, both of you, but it just changes in some way. And so I'm just really proud of them for doing that. Um, as we um, celebrate today, uh, one of the things that we want to really make a point of recognizing is um, we started remodeling the building and just putting a lot of time and talent and energy, and I can't even mention all the names because there's so many people that show up um, with their time, with their talent, with their energy, and so we're just constantly working on this building, and I can't even name the names anymore because there's so many that pop in and out. It's just really amazing, and uh, something I want to really stress is 
the nursery was the high priority and building an area for the children was a very high priority. Okay, the Bible, this is a celebration of our desire to minister to children and to take care of the children, protect the children, nurture the children. And, and um, Eddie's going to have a lot of success in youth ministry if we do that well when they're young. And, you know, the only group that I can think of that has a warning with it, you know, there's not, a, there's not warnings with, uh, you know, a lot of other groups, but with uh, children, Jesus says, no, bring them to me. You know, let them come to me. And he, and he also says, beware. He said, you're better to have a millstone around your neck and thrown in the ocean than to harm one of these little ones. And so today is a recognition that, man, we're celebrating the fact that we love our kids, that we want to take care of our kids. We want them to grow in, in the Lord. And, um, and I'm very excited. Um, one other thing in this church that we really are very excited to do is, um, how many years do we all have left of ministry? We don't know. Today could be our last day of ministry. We could have five more years, ten more years, twenty. Some of us may enjoy forty more years of ministry. All right, I could be your 87-year-old pastor still preaching with fire. But we don't know. And so as a church, we are all called to be ministers, and we want to launch as many people in to ministry and, and let God, you know, call them to ministry. And I'm just really excited um, you know, we've worked shoulder to shoulder, and I can't think of a time since we've been building all this that they haven't been shoulder to shoulder with us, Josh and Rachel. And uh, so I want to anoint them to do this ministry, which, you know, this is a, I can't think of a more critical ministry than pouring ourselves into the kids. And I've got to tell you, ministry doesn't excite me for people to be aware that I'm a minister. In fact, it scares the life out of me. Um... There is a fountain out here, and it has a little sign on it uh, dedicated to Pastor Rod. And, and, um, and I know when I first came to Wellspring, I remember thinking to myself, you know, the one thing that God really put on my heart the very first time I came in, I think I mentioned it was, I want to walk through heaven one day, and I want this flock to be with me. And, and I want us all to walk in and just give Pastor Rod a hug and say, you know what, we took care of them. We took really good care of them. We not just um, were nice, not just nurtured, but we disciplined. We did everything that you're supposed to do to care for a flock. And we were careful and cautious. And so for me, it's hard to remember that sometimes. And that's what scares me about ministry is I'll go out there and, and I'll regularly, almost every week I'll go out to that fountain and I'll, I'll, just, uh, I'll just kind of bow my head and I'll say, dear God, help me. <laughs> help me. Help me. And that's what this anointing service is all about. You know, in fact, I got a Bible recently and I'm real, if you know my personality and you've talked to me very much, I'm hesitant to ever call myself a minister or a reverend or a pastor. There's just something... Now, I'm very cautious about that. And so I bought a Bible and intentionally put reverend on it. And that's unusual for me. And the reason I did it is because I'm trying to remind myself that I'm a minister. I'm trying to always remind myself. How many know that um, everybody is a piece of soft clay in their heart? 
And whatever we say, whatever we do, does make an impression. And and if you're ministering to a group, I mean, those kids are the softest hearts that we have in the church, the most impressionable. And and so, man, I need that anointing. I need that humility every day. And so I look at that Bible and I say, oh, dear Lord, (laughs) dear Lord, you know, help me because it's hard to do. And so today, they're, they're going to minister in the service, and we want to celebrate our children's ministry. And then when we come to the anointing part, I just want to really want to anoint them for ministry to those kids because to me, um, I would love to be ministering to the kids because to me, I think they're the most important. I think they're the softest. Not that they're more important than other people, but I think they're the most vulnerable. They're the softest hearts. And so I want to anoint them that uh, every little word they say, every little action they have, uh, everything that God puts in their heart, it just, man, just these children are growing like we've never seen before. We want our love to flow through that ministry to our kids. How many agree with that? Praise the Lord. So we're going to have an anointing um, after you're completed. Don't let it uh, soften an altar call or anything like that. But when we're done, uh, we're just going to call both of them up. They're both... um, Uh, certified ministers. One's licensed and both are almost licensed ministers. Uh, But both are certified through the Assemblies of God. Both are called to do it. Um, Both are going to be serving together as uh, children's pastors. And so we're going to anoint them and we're just going to pray for God. Like I said, I don't take this lightly. And none of us should. Uh, We want God's anointing to flow from this church through that ministry. Amen. And then if you would do one more thing after we anoint them for ministry, um, one of the rooms is completed. It's the children's room. And if you've seen it, it is an awesome children's ministry room. I mean, uh, and especially their time, their talent, their money, they poured into it. Okay, the church and all of the workers, don't lose sight of that. We've had so many workers that have poured their love into that building, that room back there. We're done with one and we've got a bunch more we're going to start framing next Saturday. Okay, so we're going to start framing another classroom, a conference room, and my favorite, the prayer room. I'm Church, we've been a cart that's been rolling with momentum, but we don't have an engine. The prayer room is our engine. And when that prayer room is there, we will have an engine that will have horsepower that's better than manpower, right? Praise the Lord. So God's moving us in a great direction Let's be unified, all of us, okay? Let's be unified together. You know, unity is hard. Unity is really hard. Let's, let's be in unity, all of us together, and let's anoint them after. But the last thing I didn't say yet, go back and look at the room, please. Can everybody do that? Before you leave, go through that door, go to the left, and you'll see the children's ministry room, and it is awesome. That room, I just want to stay back there all the time. I mean, when you put the, you say, well, man, why do you have a, uh, in fact, People think, man, you bought all kinds of TVs in here. Why do you buy so many TVs for? That's the first one I bought. That's the first one the church ministry has bought. The rest were donated. Praise the Lord. We've had so many donations in this process. These were donated for the benefit of our worship service. These graphics, are they incredible? But children's ministry room, I mean, man, it's uh, we can put worship music on there, teaching, uh, movies, uh, Christian movies. I mean, it's a awesome ministry room and so take a look at it before you leave please and without further ado i've talked long enough i want to give you two plenty of time uh give a hand for josh and rachel
All right. So many of you in here probably know um, where Brittany and JT live. You've been there for game nights and such, and and a lot of people probably know where Mike and uh, Kim live. So if you were to draw a straight line from Mike and Kim's house to Brittany and JT's, almost smack dab in the middle of that, you would have a farm on Pollock Avenue. And so way back when, it's an empty field now, but way back when there used to be a house there. And that house had a barn, and in that barn there was a church meeting. We were... Light of the World Fellowship, and I'll tell you what, it was the height of the Jesus movement. There was, man, things were just so different back then, Um, and Rachel and I, for years, have held up a standard that someday we wanted to be back to church like church was back then where we worshiped together for hours, and then we ate together for hours after that and fellowshiped and, and played together and then went back into church. And for so long, we held up like, on the one hand, we knew God wanted to take us somewhere even better, but on the other hand, we thought if we can even get back to the beauty of that, we would be such happy people. And I just want you to know that uh, the Lord has put us in a place where we feel that now, both of us. We just talk again and again that we are in a place that we've been looking for our whole Christian walk, our whole marriage. At that farm, as me as a little five-year-old and some little pigtailed cutie, sassy thing who told her mama, no, you won't spank me. And her mama said, oh, yes, I will, (laughs) was a little girl named Rachel. And I was infatuated with her back then, and I've been infatuated with her ever since. But she's going to start us out real quick and just share uh, the vision we're trying to develop with the kids back in the children's church room. I just want to say praise God um, for getting me to this point because it's been a long time coming. A few of you know uh, the prayers of my heart um, to be in ministry um, shoulder to shoulder with my husband and working together as a team and and pushing forward and plowing and um, to see that finally... um, come to fruition is just amazing. We'll be celebrating 25 years of marriage this year, and um, just keep praying. (laughs) If somebody is uh, praying for for something um, special like that, just keep pushing, keep praying. God's faithful in his time, Um, not not ever in our time. It's always in his time. Um, I just want to share a little bit with you guys about... um, our vision for the children's church. And um, I also want to to kind of piggyback on um, a couple things that Chad was saying, that um, you guys have seen a lot of changes going on. And um, sometimes for me, it's hard 
to relate to others because I love change. Um, a lot of people hate change, and that's foreign to me because I just, I don't know, I, I, I like the transitioning. I like changing. I, I like making things new and different and fresh, and um, maybe it has to do with my creative mind. I don't know, my artistic mind, maybe. I'm not sure. But um, I just wanted to, to say something to those who struggle with change. Everybody goes through seasons. Um, nature goes through seasons. God created nature to go through transitions every single season. And every season has a purpose. And it's not that, you know, when the leaves fall in the fall and it's beautiful, but then the trees look dead and there's no green and it's dreary or it's snowy and it doesn't look like there's any life. There's still purpose in that winter and there's still purpose in that change. And then spring comes along and that's what we're in and there's life and there's new growth and where there wasn't something before, look, there's something beautiful popping up now. And that doesn't dismiss the season that we were in um, at all. It's just piggybacking and building upon that. And each season that we go through is going to be better and better and better. So I just wanted to encourage anybody who was struggling um, with the changes. It's good. It's good. Change is good. Um. With our kids' church, um, a scripture that really hit Josh um, in particular was Psalms 127.4 for our kids. Um, kids are like arrows in the hands of a warrior, okay? And some of you might kind of scratch your head on that one and think, wow, our kids are weapons. But they are. They're weapons. And... and uh, Kids love Jesus too, yes. Um, there is no junior Holy Spirit. Um, the same Holy Spirit that lives in me, that lives in Pastor Chad and my husband and, and all of you adults, is the same Holy Spirit that lives in these little ones. There is no, there's no difference. He knows no age, no sex, no, no nothing, no race. Um, he's the same. And um, we just really want to be able to raise up little arrows and send them out ready to be sent, ready to be shot out into the world and to bring damage to the enemy. And uh, something that keeps arrows I was thinking about this. I, I love to study. I love to dig really deep <laughs> into things and find out interesting facts that no one really cares about. <laughs> but um, I was digging into the arrow thing, and um, I turned over, you know, the quiver. Quiver is, you know, something that carry on your back, and it holds the arrows. But the further I dug into it, the more I realized... Josh and I are like that quiver. Our, our kids' ministry is a quiver for all of our little arrows. It's a place of safety 
um, a place of safekeeping until those arrows are ready to be shot out into the world. And um, we're just going to try and, and create that back there with all your kids, with your grandkids, with any of the children that come into this building. We're going to be that quiver, that protection, that raising up, the building up, um, just trying to move along with the Holy Spirit and creating that little person that God created them to be, walking in their giftings, walking in their callings, um, raising them up to be bold and to be courageous. Um, I love kids. <laughs> um, that's kind of evident by how many children I have. <laughs> For those who don't know, I have seven, um, five biological and two adopted. Um, I never dreamed that my husband and I would be in ministry in children's church, however. Um, <laughs> but God does amazing, miraculous things, and God changes um, hearts and minds and teaches us and raises us up. And I'm just really excited. Um, I'm really thankful to be able to to help with these kids. They've been awesome. They, uh, we're not just teaching them, they teach us. Um, don't ever, don't ever be afraid to, to really listen to a child, soup down, get down on their level and listen, because a lot of times they have some pretty awesome things to say, um, because the Holy Spirit, a lot of times they'll move through a child before they'll move through an adult mind, because we got all kinds of crud going on up here, (laughs) um, a lot of times young ones don't have to, the Holy Spirit doesn't have to go through all that junk that we have, all that luggage, that baggage, and um, the Holy Spirit is able to move freely through them. So I'm just excited. I'm super excited. So we've got a lot of fun things planned. So without further ado. Yeah, one of those uh, things that the children said last week was, Josh, don't be boring, so (laughs) we'll try and take that to heart, all right? Uh, The first thing I want to do is uh, address the elephant in the room. No, not my stomach. Don't think that. No, what I want to address is why Eddie, Ryan, and Bob didn't let us know that it was plaid day, all right? You guys are... Are uh, not being very nice. No. That's not the, the real elephant in the room. The real elephant in the room is this humongous zit I have over my left eyebrow. Um, I know 90% of you probably didn't notice and 100% of you don't care. But uh, I just wanted to get it out there. It'll make me feel better. Um, Chad and I were at the store this morning picking up uh, some supplies and I was kind of thirsty, so uh, we were standing at the soda machine, and I said, uh, hey, Chad, I'm kind of short a quarter to get a soda. Can you help me out? And he reached into my pocket, and he said, uh, "He said, no, I don't have a quarter, but uh, I got a pair of dimes. I said, no, that's, that's not good enough. No, that story's not really true. What he actually said was, with that zit over your eyebrow, I'm not helping you out. Today I want to talk about shifting paradigms, all right? 
paradigm shifts. And uh, I'll let you guys take this how you want, but uh, this is all the notes I have, so I'll let you leave it to your imagination how long we're going to be here. <laughs> um, in... 1999, I went to a service with my father-in-law, Sam. First of all, let me just say, let me welcome Sam and Becky. Um, I'm so excited that they're here with us today. It's, uh, it's a true blessing. They have been mentors in our lives and just invaluable to have a godly uh, mom and a godly set of in-laws is uh, life-changing. It's transformational. Um, I want to welcome my friends Billy and Holly, uh, just dear friends of ours that we went to church with in Owensboro. I want to say that I'm excited that uh, Zach and my daughter Danielle are here. Uh, they were truly heroic yesterday. They are ministering to a lady that they found homeless, and they've been ministering to her and getting her food, and well, they helped her to get housing, and yesterday they went to visit her, and, and this woman was being kind of roughed up and mistreated by some men, and, and <laughs> so they kind of stepped into this dangerous situation, and so all I want to say is... Don't rush headlong into dangerous situations, but when you are there, the righteous are as bold as lions, and I'm just super proud of you guys for for the work that you're doing. So anyway, in 1999, Sam and I were at at a meeting uh, at a church called Word of His Grace, and um, there was a prophet there named Buck, and uh, Buck was a part of a revival in Missouri, and he got so filled up with the Holy Spirit that he ended up going to Scandinavia to become a missionary. But he would come back, and he would lead meetings. And in one of those meetings, he uh, ended up prophesying over me. In fact, that in that same night, I ended up uh, having the elders and pastor of that church uh, pray for me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But, uh, but Buck said, I see you like a lone ranger. Josh, you were just itching, chomping at the bit to find a war. In fact, you, you'll go and make a war happen if there's not one because you just want to fight. And he said, but God is going to take you and make you a part of a team. He's not going to let you be in that position. And I just want to tell you that this is my team. Since 1999, I've been looking for that place, thinking... It wasn't going to happen going to being a part of some things where it sort of felt like maybe that was it, but knowing in my spirit that it wasn't quite what he was talking about. But God has put us as a part of that team now. And here our souls are at home. We know we're with the people we're supposed to be with. And I let Chad know that uh, after we began to meet and talk that, uh, you know, about that word and about how we felt about being here. I was standing right back where those coat racks were, 
And Rachel and the kids had talked to us into it talked me into coming back because it was a little I was like so many of you it was hard for me to step back in here without Rod being here you know but they talked me into coming back and I was standing right back there by that coat rack worshiping and the Lord just dropped a love in my heart for this place and it's not wavered ever since and. Then Chad and I began to talk, and we began to realize that back in that 1999-2000 area, things that the Lord was beginning to speak to him about ministry and what church was going to look like, he was telling me those same things. Man, if we'd have talked back then, we might have preempted this whole thing and accidentally started a church way back then. <laughs> but God had a time and a season, so and now it's that time and season, and we are so in love with being here. And like Rachel said, I, we never pictured ourselves doing children's church, but in my heart to, and in her heart, not just me, but in our heart to serve this fellowship, we saw a need there and, and said, yeah, we'd like to fill in there. See, we would do almost anything for you guys. If the Lord wanted to make this a foot washing service, I would gladly wash all your feet, you know. Now, I know there's some people in here that are uncomfortable with that. But uh, but we would gladly wash your feet, and we would gladly take care of your kids and serve your kids. We would gladly pray for you. We would gladly give for you. Um, it's a funny thing about stepping in and just having willingness I would now gladly cook for you. <laughs> I'm not much of a cook, but I came here the first morning of men's breakfast, and, and I was going to cook, and guess what? I was a nervous wreck because I'm not much of a cook. But uh, I just dug in and did it, and now I wake up on a Saturday morning, and I spring out of bed, and I can't wait to get here and cook bacon, not weenies. We don't need to cook weenies for men. We need bacon. But I'm glad to come in here and my point is this, there's, there's almost nothing we wouldn't do to serve you guys. And if that's children, then it's children. If it's, you know, there's things that Rachel and I have envisioned also helping out with this church, but whatever it is, we want to give our whole heart to it and serve here with you and for you. And that's one of the real, real hidden things about leadership is the serving, the unending serving that people see and the serving that they don't see. All right. <clears throat> I've got some notes here. We're going to talk about paradigm shifts. So the first thing I want to talk about, and this is going to be a little redundant for some of our men because we talked about this uh, in our men's breakfast a couple weeks ago, but I didn't want to um, not cover it again for everybody. So let's talk about a paradigm a theory or a group of ideas about how something should be done, made, or thought about. And what I really want to dial in and focus on is how things are getting done, how we are living our Christian lives, and how we are doing church. And so the Lord's been speaking to me about paradigm shifts. So the first one we're going to tackle is the fruit of the Spirit. 
And this is something that we went over in our men's breakfast a couple weeks ago. But in Galatians 5.22 and 23, it says, Now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. I think some of you can probably relate um, to feeling like maybe we're weak in those areas. And so we pray, Lord, give me patience. Lord, make me more loving. Lord, make me kind. For me, that was a big one. I wanted to be more kind. I was, and I wanted to be more gentle. I was not gentle with my children. I was not gentle with my wife. But I wanted to be. But it was a real struggle. And so, you guys can relate to this. We want to be more of these things. And so I would pray about it. And how, how many people have ever heard that old statement, you know, be careful not to pray for patience, otherwise the Lord will give you something in your life that will teach you patience. Well, that's a nice saying. And cleanliness is next to godliness is a nice saying. But uh, that doesn't mean that it's actually a true saying. So I want to give you guys a revelation that the Lord gave to me, we call it a paradigm shift, to shift from the old paradigm to a new one on how you guys can tackle dealing with the fruit of the Spirit. Can we get that? uh... All right. Yeah, any uh, any old Pink Floyd fans out there might, (laughs) might recognize this. But this is the picture that the Lord gave me, guys. See, His light is shining into us, especially those of us that have the Holy Spirit. The light is in us. And if His light is in us, then that's going to naturally come out. When you shine light into a prison, those colors are going to come out. So this is the revelation that the Lord began to give me. Um, kind of, we can put up Genesis twenty six eighteen. This one might sound real familiar to Chad because I remember him preaching this at Cornerstone almost 17, 18 years ago. But see, there was a story about how Abraham wandered through the desert and everywhere he went, he would dug, dig up these wells to water his flocks, to wa- water his people. But then Abraham moved on, and the Philistines came along. And the Philistines, guys, always represent flesh. So the Philistines came along, and they filled up all these wells so that uh, they couldn't be used anymore. And so then in 26, 18, it says that Isaac came along, and he redug the wells that his father had dug. So this is the revelation, this is the understanding I want to give to you guys, is that the light is in us, the Holy Spirit is in us, that fruit, by very definition of the Holy Spirit, is in us and should be coming out of us. But here's what the Lord showed me. Things in our life, uh, if we can go on to that next one, Connie, Things in our life, the flat, the deeds of the flesh, the immorality, the impurity, the sens- sensuality, idolatry, outbursts of anger, drunkenness, all those type of things, they come in and they plug up the well. 
so instead of praying for something to be in us that's already there, what the Lord began to do is bring me revelation on what things are blocking up the well. What things are not allowing love to show? What things are keeping the gentleness that's in me because the Holy Spirit's in me? What's blocking that from being able to be demonstrated to the world? Why is the joy that's in me because the Holy Spirit's in me, why is that not being demonstrated to the world? And the deeds of the flesh. The flesh has filled up and blocked that light from going forth. So I prayed, and the Lord began to... I'll just give you one clear example for me. For me, the gentleness. And I began to understand the deep pride that was in me. I began to understand that I wanted my kids to obey unconditionally. And when they acted up, I took that as a personal attack against me, and so pride would flare up, and I would be anything but gentle, you know? When Rachel and I would disagree, that pride would raise up because, you know, of some old-fashioned misunderstanding, misguided understanding of the husband being the head of the house would flare up, and so anything but gentleness would come out of me. Pride would come out of me. And so the Lord began to reveal to me the flesh that was in my well. And when I began to remove that flesh out of the well, then the fruit of the Spirit is free to shine through. All right? So let that be our first paradigm change. Instead of trying so hard to get something we already have, let's begin to pray for what we already have to shine through and get out of the way that which is blocking it. All right? Let the pride be stripped away. Let the anger be stripped away. And love will begin to show out of us. Joy will begin to bubble up and shine out of us. And then the fruit of the Spirit, those things we so badly want, will begin to show. All right? That's occurred to me. I was remiss. Mm. I didn't even pray. <laughs> I was so excited to get going. Father God, I just pray that this word find open hearts and fallow ground. Lord, I pray that I'd be able to strike a good mix between the practical and the prophetic. Lord, I pray that people would see passion and just help me, hide me, Lord. Don't let me yell too much, or, or it, it's just my passion, Lord, for you, and, and, and I pray that this word, these paradigm shifts will change people's hearts. In your precious name I pray, Jesus, amen. All right, let's go into the second paradigm. As I look at the church, I see so many people living scared. I see so many people that have a fear, and I see so many people that just want the rapture to come so that they can escape the toughness of this world. 
And when I was praying it about it one time, the Lord began to speak this scripture to me. And we know the first part, we know the part so well, you know, it says, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Or some, say, some versions say the gates of hell will not prevail. And I started thinking about what that means in so many people's life. And, and I think one of the problems here in the scripture that people have is what the word prevail means. All right? So, so many people think the word prevail is like, you know, if I were to attack Eddie, if I whipped him, that couldn't happen because he's wearing plaid. But if I were to attack Eddie and I would whip him, then that means I prevailed, right? And so that's the interpretation people have of this. So they say, oh, the gates of hell are going to attack me and they might prevail. Has anyone ever in here been attacked by a gate? I'm not sure, but gates usually stand still. They're fastened, attached to something. Gates don't attack, all right? But so many of us are living our life. That's kind of this paradigm that I've seen that, oh, hell is after me. Hell is attacking me, and I'm scared, and I'm going to curl up, and I'm going to be defensive. That is not at all what this scripture is talking about. The new paradigm, here's here's the reality God is building a victorious church, and those gates can't hold us back. (laughs) Those gates cannot stop us from plundering hell, all right? God is not creating a defensive church that's just meant to hold on until He comes back for us and rescues us from the big, bad, mean gate. God is creating a church that is going to kick down that gate, knock it over, go into hell, and rescue lives from the pit. That's the church that He's created. That's who He's created me to be. That's who He's created you to be. And that's who we want to see these children in the back become. Kids that are not afraid to bust down the gate, go through, and go into the land, and take people back from the pit of hell. That's the new paradigm. That's the, the, the paradigm that I believe God is saying... That's what we're designed to be. That's who we are. And we need to know and realize who we are and walk in it. All right? We don't need to be defensive. We don't need to be afraid. The Spirit of God lives in us. If He is for us, who can be against us? All right. I would love to thank the person that we ran into last night at... (laughs) <laughs> at wall at Walmart for absolutely preaching my point number three for me. So we ran into them. They were some friends that we used to go to church with in Owensboro. And so we, we were talking for them, with them for a little while. And uh, as we got to talking, we told them, you know, hey, we're, we're pretty excited. We're going to be having this service tomorrow, and they're going to anoint us and put us into the ministry, and we're doing children's church ministry. And so then they started talking to us about, yeah, that's, that's what we were doing. We were at this church, and we were doing children's ministry. But she said, but you know, going back there and doing ministry, I just didn't feel like I was getting fed. 
Now, Rachel doesn't know this, but inside, I'm just dying laughing. I'm thinking, that's one of my points tomorrow. All right? I want to challenge the way that we get fed. See, the old paradigm says, I'm going to show up to church on Sunday morning, and my pastor's going to feed me. And after church, I'm going to judge how good that meal was, and I'm going to make a decision on if he did a good job of feeding me. And if he didn't do a good enough job feeding me, eventually, I'm just going to go find a place where I'll be better fed. Come on, now you all know somebody who showed up at a new church and they just said, well, I just wasn't being fed at that old church. I've heard it, you've heard it. But the Lord is telling us something different about how to be fed. Do we have Hebrews? No, do we have Hebrews? Did we lose Hebrews? Okay. That's all right. Isn't Connie awesome? She helped me out with all this. Not only did she help me out with all of it, but she was excited to help me out with it. But you know, I see that again and again in this church. People who are excited to help out and will drop anything to help people out. And she was excited to help me out last night. So, in Hebrews 5.12 There's kind of this scathing rebuke, really. And it says, you know, by now, you yourselves ought to be teachers. But instead, you need to be taught the basics again, like children needing milk. Now, to me, (laughs) that's that's harsh. That's, uh, That's a real rip against you, you know. You ought to be accomplishing something at this point of your life, but you're still like a baby. And a baby needs to show up week after week and be fed by their pastor pastor, because they don't know how to feed themselves. I'm going to tell you, I would be extremely uncomfortable if my mom tried to feed me a bottle right now. It, you know, there might be some resistance. That's all I'm going to say. Lovingly, gently, mom. But, uh, So the old paradigm is that the pastor feeds us. The pastor takes care of us. I can't feed myself. I don't know how. But in in John 4, we have this beautiful story. And I really think it's the new model. It's the model for the new paradigm on how we should be fed. See, this woman shows up to the well, and she's a Samaritan woman. And Jesus just strikes up a conversation with her. So he starts talking with her, and they have this conversation. He prophesies to her. She's amazed. She runs back to the, to the city to get everyone. She says, come meet this prophet who told me everything about my life. Well, while Jesus is having this encounter with her, his disciples are out in town buying food. So they come back. The woman's gone getting people because she's like an evangelist all of a sudden. And they say, Jesus, you need to eat something. We've got some food here. Jesus says, oh, I already ate. And so the disciples start talking amongst themselves. They say, well, where did he get this food? You know, how did he eat? And so then Jesus says something extremely powerful to them. 
This version says my food, in some versions it says my meat, but Jesus says my meat is to do the will of the one who sent me and accomplish the work, the task at hand. See, that is the way we ought to be eating as adults, and that is the new paradigm that needs to happen in the church instead of coming and being fed, bottle-fed like babies, is to grow up. By now, we ought to be teachers. By now, we ought to be doing the will of our Father. By now, we ought to be hearing His voice and walking in the ways that He's telling us to go and to receive meat by being ministers and not just by being ministered to. See, when, when I told Chad that it was on my heart for us to begin to work in the back, that was kind of one of his first questions was, will you be okay being back there week after week after week? And I told my, it didn't even take a thought. I said, absolutely. Because see, this revelation is, it's in me. It's not just a theory. It's not just an idea. But this revelation is in me that at this point of my walk, I receive way more food and nutrition by ministering, by pouring out all that God's put in me, rather than just receiving week after week and sitting in a chair. So, thank you. I'm glad at least one person likes it. I see Chad nodding his head too. All right. We've got to learn to eat differently. Okay? All right. Fourth paradigm. Last paradigm for those who are counting. See, I had to come up with four because I just can't write a three-point sermon. That's just too traditional. I'm just kidding. All right. Fourth paradigm. For too long in church, we've been operating under this thing where the pastor does the ministry. The pastor's the guy we pay. He, he better do it. <laughs> The pastor's the guy who has the anointing, the ability. So he has to do it. But that is an old paradigm, and it is passing away. All right? There's a new, fresh paradigm. See, that paradigm got dumped on the church. The original church never lived like that. It didn't work like that. But one of the things that happened is when Constantine came on the scene, and Constantine began to merge the church with the pagan religion. See, in the pagan religion, they had priests that did the ministry. And that's one of the things Constantine brought into the church was this idea of of paid ministers and the ministers do the work and the laity just kind of receives ministry. But that was never God's intention. That was not His design for how His body, how His church, how this building, this living organism was ever going to function. See, just as an example, well, let me go through the Scripture and I'm going to give you an example, but um, one of the reasons I clicked so much with Chad and began to form a fast relationship with him is that we were talking about how the church should be, how the church would be, and listen, guys, I've been listening to theories on the fivefold ministry for 20 years now. 
And I'm going to tell you basically what I have seen is that people want to restore the fivefold ministry because they want apostles to be there again because they want to ascend to being apostles because it's a new level of authority and place in the church. None of them seem to teach on the part about how Paul said, I'm like last in the procession. You know, you know who was last in the procession? It was the guy who cleaned up the horse poop after they all went by. It was the guy who cleaned up. None of them seemed to remember that Paul's life was like being last in the procession. He's like, I'm the guy who comes along and cleans up the dung. You know? That part seems to be forgotten, but it seems like there's this restoration of the fivefold ministry because people want to be apostles and people want to be prophets. You know? They're rushing to be elevated into new positions. But Chad and I have talked a lot about this. And it's not about ascending into a higher position. I already told you and meant it with every fiber of my being that this thing we're trying to become is nothing but pouring our hearts out to you and our lives out to you and serving you. I think one of the most beautiful pictures in the whole Bible, you know, Paul says, I'm pouring myself out like a drink offering. Well, if any of you have ever dumped your drink out outside, you know that pretty soon it soaks into the ground and it's gone. There's no putting it back in the bottle. See, when you pour yourself out like a drink offering, it's all poured out. It's gone. There's no getting it back. I remember two weeks, maybe, uh, before Rod passed, I was sitting out here talking with him. It was getting ready to be youth on a Monday night and... He said, you know, Josh, I'm not saving up for retirement. I'm not putting anything back. He said, I'm just pouring it all out. Little did he know that in only a couple weeks that it would be the end of his race. But he was pouring everything he had out, his money, his time, his energy. He, He poured it all out on the ground. And I know Chad's heart, and I know the heart of many of you. I know Eddie's heart when Eddie's here doing everything unseen that he's just pouring out, and Mike and Dave and just the people in this church pouring ourselves out like a drink offering, not for a title. Chad already told you he's he's uncomfortable with the titles. Not for the recognition, not for the pay. Like he, like Chad said, we we've paid to build that room. We didn't, we didn't get paid to build that room, and no one's putting us on a salary. We're pouring ourselves into that room because we have a vision for how we want to take care of your kids and want to pour our love out. So this fivefold thing is not something to ascend to, but it's almost something to descend to. We get to clean up the poop behind you guys as you go by in procession, living your life. And we're glad to do it. And if we get shipwrecked at sea, then Rachel's in trouble because she doesn't float. But uh, (laughs) neither does Chad. So next thing you know, they're going to be grabbing onto me. And when we're wrecked at sea for three days like Paul was, then I'm going to have to be everybody's life vest.
But listen, Chad and I began to talk about this, and it's when I knew that I knew that I knew that I was home because I've been waiting 15, 20 years to be in a place where this Scripture is reality. See, instead of focusing on the titles or the positions at the top, we decided to go ahead and dial in on, on verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for works of service, to the building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. You know, we were just talking yesterday morning in our men's breakfast about the beautiful, beautiful unity that's here and how it's just unlike anything we've seen in that it's precious. Till we all build unity in the faith and have the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, one who can eat meat, one who doesn't need to be fed a bottle, and to the measure and the stature which belongs to the fullness of the Christ. See, we decided to dial in on 12 and 13, that it's not about our positions, but it's about our absolute mandate, our absolute God-given duty to equip the saints for works of ministry. And whether those works are construction and doing a beautiful job on a wall, your wall got a lot of good comments today, Curtis. You did a great job on that. Whether it's decorating, which my wife has done so beautiful, or Brittany has done in the nursery, or cooking, or hospitality, or whether we're training people to go out and share the gospel, or we're training people to teach, or we're training people to preach, the reality is it is our job to equip. And I want to let you know that Chad didn't just have a theory about that, but Chad put it into work, and he put it into principle, and we started having a leadership class. And this is that example I was going to tell you about. I was not... The Wellspring did not put out an ad or put out feelers to find a children's church pastor. And Rachel and I responded and came in and got put into some kind of position. What happened was Chad began to train a group of guys to be leaders. And out of that grew some people who said, let me help out here. Let me help out there. He's training servants. He's training leaders. And so I just went to him and I said, you know, we, we want to do something with all this you're putting in us. This looks like an area of need back here. Can we serve there? And see, that's the heart that we really need to begin to have in this fellowship is how can we serve? What can we do to do our part? How can we be world changers? Because let me tell you, there's a generation rising up. They're not content to just sit in the pews. They want to do the stuff, so to speak. And whether that's being the preaching or the knocking on the doors or the street ministry or the prophesying or the laying on the hand of hands on the sick and healing them, they want to do the stuff. That's a generation that's coming up. So I say to that generation, yes, you guys already have your hands on this. And to those of us in an older generation, 
Are we going to let the, the reapers overtake the harvester, the, the sowers? Are we going to sit back in our seats and let them have all the fun? Or are we going to join in them and say, no, we want to participate in this. We want to be equipped and serve and go on to become equippers. And there are people in this room who have those fivefold ministry gifts. But like I said, that's not even our focus right now. Our focus is on creating servant leadership equipped to do the work of the ministry. So if I can have my three, well, no, can it disappear? There you are. Okay, if I can have my three beautiful daughters come up here. Come on. They're, well, okay, I'm sorry. My three oldest, tallest girls. Well, oh, got something. So, little demonstration here. But as we're moving along, we're getting our legs. Oh, hold on. <laughs> Even I messed my own. I messed my own demonstration up. And over here. All right. So Chad has been teaching us. Chad has been growing us. Chad has been turning us into servant leaders. And at first we were walking, but things are picking up speed. And so now this is my question to you guys. Turn around, Danielle. Are you in? This church is getting ready to run, and I want to know who's in. Are you in? Turn it over to you, Chad. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Worship team, won't you come on up? Praise the Lord. What an awesome message. Uh, you can just have a seat for a second. We're going to anoint them in a second. Um, how many know that uh, church unity is really important? And uh, church, we really have a heart. And it's not just something we say, but we're intentionally trying to um, prepare God's people for works of ministry. And um, the difference, uh, like I said, the best analogy I've seen is we don't want to be a church that um, gives you sugar. That's the analogy I like. I heard it, we heard it at a conference. I really liked it. But if we give you sugar, you'll have energy for a while and... You know, you'll move for a while, and if you come on Sundays and your desire is to get some excitement out of a message on Sunday, then it'll last for maybe Monday, maybe into Tuesday. You know, and you, how, how many have ever been there? It's like, oh man, I hope he just gives me sugar. And man, the kid that only gets sugar, <laughs> the kid that only gets sugar is not going to be a very healthy kid. But if your parents care about you, they'll give you some Brussels sprouts. They'll give you a little Popeye spinach. They'll give you some things that are really going to make you strong and meat. And uh, protein is what we want in our diet. And if you give you protein, you won't just be strong. You'll build muscle. And if you build muscle, then you'll be strong for the rest of your life. And so every week when we come in here, every message, every direction of the church is God saying, 
I'm raising up ministers. And like I said, church, we only have so much time on this earth to do the work of the ministry. And the world out there is waiting for the church to rise up and not just hear the word, but learn the word, grow in the word, grow in your prayer life. And so I'm just going to ask you, just as a show of unity, if, if you're in, let's just come up here and find a place together as a church. Let's get everybody around the altar area. And then we're going to have a moment. We're just going to sing a worship song. And then we're going to anoint them for the work of the ministry. How many are excited about doing that? Anointing for the work of ministry. We want to launch as many people in this church into works of ministry as we possibly can. Well, praise the Lord. Come on forward. We're going to sing a song of unity together. Praise the Lord. How many appreciate this worship team? Hallelujah. Come on, don't be shy. Don't be shy. Come on up. Just a show of unity. You say, well, I'm not a part of this church. You are today. We're all going to be unified. Praise the Lord. Amen. Remember, we're not unified to people. We're not unified to buildings. We're unified with God. We're uh, part of a church that's much bigger than Wellspring. It's faithful people all over the world that are trying to do the work of the Lord. When you sign a membership card, you don't cut everybody else off in the world. You say, hey, I'm going to be a part of what God's doing in this world. So, so we're devoting ourselves to God and only God. Not denominations, not buildings, not people, not pastor. Chad, we're doing it for God. Every bit of unity is because we love the Lord and we know how much He's done for us. And so it's not directed toward people, not directed toward buildings. It's God, we love you and we want to do your work. We want to be like those missionaries, Jared and Hannah, the missionaries, our missionaries. And we want to give our life every day for a mission because it's better to give than to receive. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. back to a phrase, uh, what would uh, happen if one man totally gives himself to serving the Lord? What would it do to the world? And uh, that man's life really affected the world in a mighty way. But what would happen if a whole church, a whole church lived that song out? Man, I'm giving all of myself for all of you, Lord willingly, like he said, a drink offering. I just pour it out. Praise the Lord. I'm going to go way off topic here. I'm getting ready to close with the anointing here. The anointing of our children's pastors. But I just want to say it one more time. Um, your friend over at Salvage Candy, while we're in church, he's out there cleaning every bit that was outside the building. He's out there loading it all up, cleaning it up for us. Um, he got almost... And today's his day off. Last night he was here talking to us for a while. That guy's one of the sweetest hearted people. And uh, he uses that thing as a ministry. He takes in old cars, tries to help people that are impoverished and aren't able to get parts. I mean, I just, man, I just, he was such a blessing to us. And so if you can uh, remember the name of that company, Salvage Candy, you need to 
he, I mean, he recycles everything, industrial stuff, parts, you know, everything. I just, uh, I want to, when we close, I want to pray a blessing over him. And, and uh, he said, uh, I'm just doing it to help you. <laughs> he said, there's nothing I, I have, I'm, I'm trying to gain. I'm just here to help you guys. And, and I love Sharon Taylor. <laughs> he said, she is such a blessing. And he, he spent so much time talking to you. Uh, Sharon, if you don't know, runs Christian Life Center. And so he volunteered himself to help them and do a lot of different stuff. But he did tell me he doesn't enjoy moving radiators. <laughs> he said it's about the only thing that... <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a good guy. But uh, Josh, Rachel, um, kids, I want all the kids up here. Sean, one up here. Nisha, come up here. Um, my elders, Eddie... Mike, David, come on up here. And then I'd like the rest of your family. Mom, Dad, brother, come on up here. Friends, family, where are you at? I want you up here too. Any friends that came for today, come on up here. Praise the Lord. And we didn't go very long. We only went to 1227, so that's not bad. Um, now everybody, I want the church to come around them here. And how many know that uh, ministry... How many know that uh, ministry is equipping by God? The fivefold ministry is for the equipping to do works of ministry. So they need equipped. If we ever think we have it within ourselves, we're lying to ourselves. Every day we have to say, Dear Lord, <laughs> there's a lot of responsibility here. So let's pray that God would equip them. I want to see these kids grow. Such a blessing when my uh, daughters come in here and they're they got the little sway down and they're worshiping. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord God, Lord, you are the equipper, Lord God. We are imperfect. I'm an imperfect pastor. This is an imperfect church. And you are perfect. You are perfect, Lord God, in the way you love. Perfect in the way you speak, Lord. Oh, Father, right now, I pray for your equipment, Lord God. Father, equip them to do this work, Lord, that they're called to do. Father, your anointing upon them, let the love that this church has for our children, Lord, flow through them, Lord God, like a conduit, Lord. Father, let wisdom flow, Lord God. Let understanding flow, Lord. Oh, Father, as they protect and as they nurture and as they grow our children, Lord God. Father, I pray that you would put people to the left and to the right of them, Lord God. People that will stand shoulder by shoulder to shoulder, Lord. Father, I pray your anointing upon this ministry, Lord God, as they grow, Lord God. Oh, Father, we send them, Lord God. We launch them, Lord God, for your work, Lord. Do mighty things, Lord God. Father, we think we know what you want to do, Lord God, but let it go beyond their dreams. Oh, Father, new visions, new dreams, Lord God. Father, a new flow of your spirit, Lord God. New fruit, Lord God, that have never even been there, Lord God. But fresh fruit, Lord God. Let that 
life begin to flow through them un, unhindered, Lord. I pray your anointing today, Lord, and the whole church says, Amen. Amen. So 